This episode of Sea Aquarium Shame touches on topics including captivity, slavery, suicide, mental health, and animal cruelty. If you would prefer not to have an experience involving those topics, please do not listen to this episode. Also, do not attend or support the Miami Sea Aquarium. Miami's biggest superstar, Lolita the Killer Whale. Sit up close for a two-ton super splash that's sure to cool you off. And tonight, killer whales kept in captivity. Tourists love to see them jump through the hoops and leap out of the water. Well, there are more calls today to liberate Lolita. A protest is underway right now at the Miami Aquarium. Today marks 50 years that a baby orca was brought to the Miami Seaquarium after being taken from her family in the waters of the Pacific Northwest. That baby orca is, of course, Lolita. 50 years, believe it or not, since Lolita the killer whale was brought to the Miami Seaquarium. And there are still major efforts underway to try and free the animal. There's no question that the movie Blackfish has stirred up a lot of controversy and has some people rethinking this whole idea of captivity for killer whales. but. Then what do you do? In other words, can you just set them free? As we found out, it is not that simple. Number one, she's lived here for over 47 years. A true testament to the love and care that we provided her during that time. The second thing is just that, her age. She's over 50 years old now. She happens to be the oldest living killer whale under human care. There's been a new call in the last couple of months by groups and an individual that are calling again for her release. Really, they should be ashamed of themselves. They don't care about Lolita. They don't care about her best interests. They don't really care whether she lives or dies. To them, she's nothing more than a vehicle by which they can promote their name, the political agenda, to obtain money, and to gain media attention. Shame on them. Ooh, wow. I mean, I knew this was small, but... This small? When you see an orca in captivity, you see them just either lying there despondently or you see what's termed stereotypic behaviours. They just go round and round the tank. They typically surface at exactly the same spot. And the fact that these animals can't travel, they're confined within these tiny little blue cylinders is really, really difficult to watch. She's been in captivity basically alone in a tank 80 feet in diameter and 20 feet deep in chlorine in Miami and she still sings her song every night and she races around showing life force. What? Who is this? And she said, I'll tell you something, Kurt. I worked with killer whales for 40 years. I've never seen one like Tokatak. They just want to go straight to freedom and that never works. 
Because guess who makes the final decision if Lolita goes free or not? Lolita. And she cries for her mother. She does. And she wants to come home. But she's really tough to survive. You know, all the other ones are all gone now. There's just her. go if I do what they say. Right? They are gonna let me go. What day is it? What time is it? Are they gonna start the show soon? Is this what I was born for? To be in this pool? Ugh, the sound of his head crashing into the wall. Hugo. I told myself I wouldn't relive that memory anymore. Keep it together. Keep it together, Toki. This is never ending. I'm hungry. I hope they start the show soon. Where do all these people come from? Does anyone really think I'm happy in here? I mean, I can barely move. Why does everybody clap? <sighs> there's gotta be more than this. I know there's more than this. That's the only reason I'm still holding on. They're going to let me go. They're going to put me back in the ocean. Right? Mom? Mom, are you still out there? I remember you. I remember my sister. I remember... family. I remember the sea. This tank is not that. <sighs> Some days I just think nothing. I just float in circles. Other days I, I call out at night for my pod, it's the only reason I'm still alive. I hate the shows, I hate this tank, I hate Miami, I hate the sun, I hate the chlorine in this pool, I hate the frozen food, I hate this. I want to die. I want to live. Does anybody even care? Does anybody even know I'm here? What did I do wrong? I'm sorry. Okay? I'm sorry. It's been enough punishment, I think. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for whatever I did. I'm so sorry. Please let me go. Please let me go. Please let me go. I'm sorry. 
I won't do it again. Hold <sighs> oh. it together. Oh, Hugo, no, don't do it. No, stop. You said you wouldn't relive him hitting his head into the tank. You're not gonna do the same thing, no. No. No, you're not gonna do the same thing. Your pot is still out there, remember. 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 Breathe. What day is it? What time is it? Are they gonna start the show soon? I'm hungry. They'll let me go if I do what they say. Right? Right? Just four years old How could their blood run so cold? Now she longs to be free After fifty years of captivity
years ago, on August 8th, 1970, uh, there was a roundup of, of wild southern resident orcas off the coast of Washington. And they were round, uh, rounded up very violently. And there were speedboats and explosives dropped from planes to herd them into a big net. Over the weeks uh, around that time, uh, over 40 orca children and young adults were captured uh, in 1970 and, and brought to marine parks all over the world. And one of those is uh, who's now known as, as Lolita. And so uh, from 1970 until now, that's 50 years have passed, uh, she's been held captive in a very small concrete tank in the hot Miami sun, uh, performing twice a day for her food. Lolita is in the smallest orca tank in the United States. It's only 20 feet deepest at its deepest part and, and 12 feet deep uh, around the edges there. And compare that to an orca in its natural environment where it can dive a thousand feet, which is you know, 50 times as deep as the tank. Uh, her tank at its very widest part is, is 80 feet. Uh, and she herself is about 20 feet. So four times her body length at the widest part. Uh, the tank doesn't even meet um, basic uh, legal requirements under the Animal Welfare Act uh, for, for uh, Lolita's well-being. And so she's you know, trapped in this very small concrete tank. Uh, she's in the sun in Miami all day long. Uh, she's been uh, basically isolated for, for decades. Um, she speaks a language, a, a unique language, just like, just like you and I uh, are, are speaking English right now. And her, her family, the LPOD, speaks that same language. Um, so she has no one to speak with because there's no other orcas there. And so uh, her conditions physically, where she's, you know, she's in her 50s now, um, and she's forced to perform twice daily for her food still uh, in this small concrete tank, you know, that, that wear on her physically, uh, as well as the psychological impact of being alone, being isolated, not being able to speak your language uh, to anybody uh, for, for decades is extremely, uh, in my mind, uh, traumatic. Uh, it makes me, claustrophobic just to feel about. My name is Grant Wilson. I am the executive director of Earth Law Center, and we are a nonprofit organization that advances a new generation of Earth-centered laws as well as human environmental rights. And a growing amount of our work is partnering with indigenous communities to advance their own rights and interests through Western law. And uh, we are the legal team for two Lummi elders who are seeking the return of Skali Chuktanat, who's also known as uh, Tokate, or uh, her stage name Lolita, a, a captive southern resident orca. And you can learn all about our work on www.earthlawcenter.org. Uh, if you want updates on uh, the quest of uh, two Lummi elders to return Lolita home, uh, I encourage you to follow us online. So my relationship with uh, Skali Chaktana or Lolita is, you know, as a lawyer who's who's fighting for her release, and really as someone who's trying to, through her case, uh, raise awareness and cause an awakening in how we treat the rest of the natural world. Because um, I think this is a compelling case that we can learn a lot from, and if we can learn to come together and save this one orca who's in dire need of our help, uh, maybe there's a lot more we can do together as well. So, yes, I went to Robert Rosen's house. I took 80 people. There was FBI. 
There was a huge police presence. It was amazing because they allowed us to literally get up to his front door. So you can imagine 80 people, um, you know, chanting and going into the night. Um, you know, his family, you know, basically huddled in. We could see them. They huddled in the kitchen and they were praying. I think they thought we were going to hurt them or do something violent to them, which, you know, would never happen. Um, we were just there to voice our opinion and, you know, tell them to stop doing this and, you know, find another profession or start speaking out against it or whatever. And after that, you know, that kind of ended any way I was going to be able to sit down with Robert Rose. Over the time that we were down there, we made inside contacts. Um, I'm not going to name their names. These are people that still work at the Miami Sea Aquarium. Um, these were trainers or people that tended to the animal. And we were given inside information, um, financial reports, medical reports. We also learned that there was 200 Rizzo dolphins killed by Lolita there. Um, she would throw them out of the tank, ram them um, because they would annoy her. If you if you look at some of our aerial footage and you look down, you'll see that they would there's usually three Rizzo dolphins. And that's how they get away with saying that she's not alone, you know, because she has these three Rizzo dolphins that run around her. Well, basically, all they're doing is is kind of aggravating her. And once in a while, she snaps and she'll kill him. When we got these reports and we started to see the medications that she was on, and most of it was an antidepressants. And obviously, for reasons that, you know, um, are pretty obvious, the, the animal would be depressed. Very quickly, I started to educate myself on what was happening inside there. Um, towards the end, the last few shows, she would have the most problems finishing the show. And so there would be disciplinarian action taken by not feeding her, withholding food, things like that. They all know that it's bad. There's, I don't think there's one person in there that knows that thinks that that place is great. I actually went underneath the tanks and got in underneath and behind the scenes. And if you saw the, the rot and the things that they have propping up, it, eventually that stadium is going to collapse. That's what's going to happen because they're too cheap to re they'd have to redo the whole thing that's how bad it's gotten and so what they figured out is we'll just patch it and patch it and patch it but i was walking now this is underneath the bleacher section i was walking in about six to seven inches of water it's just dripping and dripping because there's cracks everywhere and it's it's just you know it's awful the story is so tragic when you really go back and you follow it from start to finish um, including her um, tank mate, Hugo, who actually committed suicide um, because of the depression, just rammed his head into the side of the tank until he actually killed himself um, and then was taken out by a crane. And, you know, that was the end of that. So she's been alone since then. And the treatment of her, if you watch the show um, and you didn't, understand what's going on in the background you think she's having a great time and this is this is wonderful these people love her and you know that these people are really taking care of her the reality of it is is that imagine it would be no different if i took you and i put you in a prison and every day i brought a group of people over and said okay i want you to dance like a bear or, or you know do something that you don't want to do and if you don't do it i'm going to punish you for it because that's what they do. They don't feed them. 
and that's the punishment. So if she doesn't do the correct thing or uh, flip her up so everybody can see it kind of like waving like they do, then she gets punished for that. What can we do to get this animal relief? And obviously you start that journey as, well, we want to get her released. We want to like kind of like a free willy kind of thing. And the reality is, is the more people I talk to and in, in, in the scientific community, you know, basically said that that's just not an option. You can't look at her medical record, all right, and say, we're doing a good job here, right? You're not because she's she's decaying. She's, you know, she's going downhill really fast. Um, animals in the wild don't have these issues. Lolita could never retire to the open sea. Even a sanctuary, a seaside sanctuary would be bad for her. Um, the problem is she's been in captivity too long. It's hard to hear that as an activist, but the reality is, is that Lolita would not survive in the wild. Now you have some activists that say, who cares if she lasts an hour, it's better than her being at the sequarium. Just retire her. Just let, let her, let her live out her last days in peace. No more shows, you know, no more, no more, no more having to perform and, and, and be the, the breadwinner for that entire place. She's made them enough money. It's in the hundreds of millions of dollars. My name, full name is Jeff Jirachi. Um, If you Google my name, um, multiple things will come up as far as interviews that I gave um, for Lolita when we had the girl in the bathtub for 30 days. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of media that's out there um, if you Google my name. Our goal was to engage with the people that were actually coming into the park. So we had a we had a unique position. We were allowed to be right at the turn that the cars had to come in to, to enter the park. So it was a prime opportunity to speak to people, try to educate them, and we would try to turn as many cars around as we possibly could. That became our thing. And we did. We turned around thousands of cars a year. Unfortunately, this aquarium does very well. They were getting about $12 million at the gate. Well, we were hitting them with about $200,000 worth of turnarounds a year. And then that's basically like taking a pebble and throwing it at a tsunami. I mean, it's, it's, it's a dent, but it's not really doing anything. We tried everything we could to disrupt this. And it wasn't working. It just wasn't work. We weren't getting anywhere. You're not going to make any difference if you don't talk to the other side and the other side wasn't willing to talk to us because we were outside their place every sunday turning business away so we were kind of enemies at that point so i wanted to change the tactics i actually at one point was going to call off the protests and hold them off if we could get a deal where the aquarium would sit down with us and hear our side and then we wanted to hear their side we never got there we don't want people to forget about the other animals that are also being mistreated in there. You have sea lions, you have dolphins, you have um, alligators, you have all kind of wildlife that's being held captive there. But there's no way you can look at Lolita or any of those other animals. I've been inside there. I've gone inside underco undercover to get video, things like that. You're, you see it right away and you realize this is wrong. There's something wrong with this picture. I did see patrons walk in there, tell us that we're idiots and, you know, make fun of us 
walk in there and come out an hour later in tears and say you guys were correct. I have seen that. That's the only thing I could say to the Miami Seaquarium other than shame on you um, for what you've done. There's one other thing if you could get this into the podcast. There is still a group of people that are the originals that are still down there every single Sunday. They are some of the most dedicated people I've ever met in my entire life. So I don't want you to, I don't want to leave this interview like everybody was bad and it all fell apart. That's not true. There's still some very, very good activists that are out there still trying to spread awareness down there. And there are still out there every Sunday from 12 to two. If you could say anything to Lolita right now, what would you want to say to her? I'd say that I'm sorry. We failed you. And that, I'm sorry, that's, that's hard to say. But um, it's the truth. And uh, until the community changes its ways and does get the Animal Welfare Act changed, she's going to die there. And we're going to watch her be pulled out of there by a crane. And I'm sure they'll have some, you know, Peter will have some, uh, and the bigger orgs, they'll have some candlelight vigils and some other stuff like that. But I would really apologize to her because it's, it's us who have failed her. Hopefully somebody listening to this wants to give me a kidney. That'd be great. <laughs> so, hey, I, I, that'd be great. Um, you know, I can use any help I can get right now. Uh, so yeah, uh, any chance I get, I put that out there. So.